for the last few years have been very, very difficult for our country. Uh, but in this episode, I want to talk about why you should be grateful for the 4th of July. We're right around the corner, and uh, I just want to discuss this because I think we're missing a lot in the discussions about what's going on in the country and racism and things along those lines. And the um, 4th of July is really important. Stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leader Smith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about the 4th of July. And I'm going to cover a lot of things about it, but I really want to do that with an eye toward what's going on socially in our country. Um, the first place I want to start with this is uh, there's this great little bit. It's about page 50 or so in Our Sacred Honor um, by Bill Bennett. And he was he had a, a line from John Adams. Actually, it was a letter from John Adams to his wife, Abigail. Um, so we talk about the 4th of July and uh, that's all well and good because we're thinking about the Declaration of Independence. But to John Adams' mind, it was the 2nd of July because that's when they voted unanimously to adopt Lee's resolution, which was for independence. They would only uh, approve it on the 4th, but they voted unanimously to adopt it on the 2nd. And so he wrote home to Abigail and he said this, the second day of July, 1776, will be most memorable epoch in the history of America. I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade and shows and games and sports and guns and bells, bonfires, illuminations from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil, the blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means and that posterity will triumph in that day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust in God we shall not. Okay, so he's very optimistic. And and he's recognizing that this is going to be costly. It's 1776. The war has just barely begun, only a few months in, maybe a year. And it's going to go on until 1781 to 83, depending on how you measure it. Now, so he's recognizing it. And it's basically what we do for the 4th of July, fireworks and all kinds of parades and things along those lines. Now, the temperature of the society is very different. Last year, um, or not last year, this was a few years back, Lecrae, he's a Christian rapper, uh, put on, and he's not the only one. There's plenty of people that have put things like this. He put, he tweeted out um, on July 4th, this was 2016, my family on July 4th, 1776, and he showed a bunch of black slaves out in the field picking cotton, and that, that he's making a statement. And I thought, you know, I, I get the sentiment, but at the same time, you're missing a big part of the picture. Yes, that was wrong. Yes, that was injustice. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't celebrate the 4th of July because the 4th of July is what gave you 
over time, increasing justice unfolding took too long. Absolutely. Slavery is a bad thing. Absolutely. I get it. But it, it unfolded because of what happened there. There's also another incident here uh, recently where there was an Olympian that uh, during the national anthem turns her back on the on the American flag and is a, an activist and using that as a platform. You know, you only have that right to use that as a platform because of the declaration. Um, now, I think that's rude. I think that's um, repugnant to do that because you're representing the country. Um, but. You have rights because of the Declaration and the Constitution, where in some places that wouldn't work out all that well for you. Um, I, I think we're missing a lot. We're looking at only one side of the equation. And I'm not going to try to balance this. I'm trying to give you the other side here, because the one side of the equation is saying, oh, look what a terrible thing America is. It's using critical theory to you know, give everybody a black eye. And based on critical theory, everybody should have a black eye. No one should come out clean, including the person that's talking about it, because we've all sinned. And now they're gonna, not going to talk in terms of sin. They're going to talk in terms of something other like, hey, you know, this was repugnant that you were, you know, somebody was a slaveholder. Yes, that's repugnant. I, I believe that. In their culture, in that time, nobody really got past that. There were a few people that were getting past it, and over time, it gained momentum, and the Declaration gave us the impetus to get further past it and to actually achieve, go past it, go over the line. But, you know, judging people by today's standards is kind of a tricky thing because, you know, we're going to be judged in 100, 200, however many hundred years by what we're doing right now and the immorality that pervades, the injustice that goes on. And I don't just mean social justice kind of issues. I mean, we might be looking back at some of the things that we accept as normal now and be like, mm, you know, whatever was going on in the 21st century, those people were nuts. Like, how could they actually believe that, right? So I'll leave that to your imagination, but be very careful with that. People are products of their time very often. Okay, what I want to talk about now is the other side of that equation. So here's the other side of the equation. We forget about Jefferson's draft of the Declaration. In fact, many people don't even know. And those that do know discount it because it wasn't accepted into the final draft. And that was for the unity of holding the nation together. I wish they had included it in, in the declaration because then it would have made it easier to get into the Constitution. But OK, so Jefferson's draft initially include this this kind of language. He's talking about things that King George the third had done wrong or the he's actually you know just using this as a and, and the king's done this and the king's done that and the king's done these things these are the grievances that he's listing and he said this he has waged cruel war against human nature itself violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. Whoa, what did he just say? He's accusing the king of doing this thing, of shackling us with this, as opposed to a 1619 view, which is like, hey, let's just get all the slaves that we can. No, no, no. He's, he's, he's putting this, Jefferson's putting this at the feet of the king. And then a little bit later on, he said, exciting those very people to rise in arms against us and to purchase that liberty of which he has deprived them by murdering the people on whom he also obtruded them, thus paying off the former crimes 
committed against the liberties of one people with the crimes he urges them to commit against the lives of another. So the king's like, you know, fomenting insurrection among these slaves as well. And so he's charging them with that as well and saying, hey, wait, you already did this to this one innocent group and now you're doing this to this other innocent group. Look, injustice to one person is wrong so is injustice to other people like and so that's what's going on there but that was omitted from the declaration ultimately but the sentiment was there and we talk about well jefferson was a slaveholder right so was everybody else up to that time there is nowhere nowhere in the world that slavery was outlawed yet the first place that it comes is in Haiti, and I'll talk about that in a moment. So Jefferson, in the notes on Virginia, all, this is 1781, this is before slavery is outlawed, he's, he's asking this question, can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they will not be violated without his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Now, what's he talking about? Well, he tells you in the very next paragraph, he says, commerce between master and slave is despotism. Slavery, that's what he's talking about. He said this, nothing is more certainly written in the book of fate than that these people are to be free. Wow. Like Jefferson saw this coming, knew it was coming. And he goes on and talks about some things a little bit more. But wow, Jefferson, and he's agitating for it. He's working. He defended he defended slaves in court. Uh, he is working on bills that just couldn't get any traction because of the times where they were. And again, slavery had never been outlawed anywhere. Washington freed his slaves upon his death and made provisions for them to be taken care of thereafter. And he lamented how, you know, slavery, you know, this, this isn't good. This is evil. We, we need to be doing something about it. It just the time did not allow yet. Okay, now that sounds like excuse making, but look at this. Slavery was not uh, outlawed anywhere. The first place that slavery was outlawed was in Haiti in 1804. I think that's because they had a violent revolt and threw out the French. I believe that's when that happened, but it was outlawed in 1804. You know what else happened in 1804? All the Northern states in the United States had already outlawed slavery. Now, it wasn't outlawed nationally, but all the northern states had outlawed slavery. Like we talk about it like, well, the United States is just as racist. Why are they outlawing? They, in fact, some of the states had done it before Haiti. I, that, so the, some of the United States states were the first place on earth to outlaw sla slavery. So we got to keep that in mind. The Constitution as, as an agreement trying to keep the union together in 18 uh, or 1787 to ratified in 1788 and in, in effect in 1789. The constitution had this clause that you couldn't touch the issue of slavery until 1808. So 1804 is the first time that it is a nation has outlawed it. In 1808, what happens it, immediately in 1808? Yeah, the United States outlaws the importation of slaves. Now, that's not the same as outlawing slavery, but it's a step the right direction. Britain outlaws slavery in 1833, and that's after decades of Wilberforce's agitation. And he got uh, importation stopped, and then he got slavery outlawed, and then he died like four days afterwards. I mean, he worked his entire life to do this. So I understand when... Um, Frederick Douglass, he has a very famous speech, The Meaning of the Fourth of July for the Negro. And I'm going to read a little bit about it. Um, but I understand when he is upset 
because slavery is still in effect, even though importation has been outlawed, we're, we're not there yet. It's it, There's still slavery in the South. So Frederick Douglass says this. He says, the 4th of July is yours, not mine. Now, that goes back to Lecrae's post about, here. here's my my family in 17, uh, on July 4th, 1776. Like, I have nothing to celebrate. No, you have to see the rest of the picture. You have to uh, widen the lens and see the rest of it. So this 4th of July, this 4th is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn to drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems who were inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean citizens to mock me by asking me to speak today? If so, there's a parallel to your conduct. And let me warn you that it is dangerous to copy the example of a nation whose crimes towering up to heaven were thrown down by the breath of the almighty, burying that nation in irrevocable ruin. What did he say here? He said, like, are, are you mocking me? You're, you're wanting me to celebrate liberty when I'm in, in chains? Slavery is still in effect. In fact, Garrison, uh, William Lloyd Garrison, uh, the uh, author of the newspaper, The Liberator, an, an ardent anti-slavery advocate, um, he he's calls the Constitution uh, a covenant with death and an agreement with hell because of uh, the provisions that allowed slavery to stay in place. Okay, well, then we get to the Emancipation Proclamation during the war. Now we talk about the Civil War. The Civil War was basically fought over slavery. Now I know Southerners will say, no, 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 it's about states' rights. On what issue? It's on states' rights on the issue issues related to slavery. They weren't worried about uh, issues related to, um, like, you know, should we have a canal <laughs> or something along those lines? They were talking about issues related to slavery, whether it was the, the cotton tariffs or whatever else. It was all issues related to slavery. After the Civil War, um, we see the amendments, okay? And so we reversed laws uh, that required returning fugitive slaves. So for example, the compromises that kind of postponed the, the reckoning of the Civil War were a number of compromises that included things like returning fugitive slaves if they run to the North. That was part of some of those compromises. Those are wiped out. In fact, the amendments passed by Congress, the 13th, 14th, and 15th in 1865 are things like this. Uh, the 13th Amendment says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime where the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. The 14th Amendment goes on in 1866. It's ratified in 1868. And it says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state in which they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of liberty with or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Okay, so it's it's saying, look, if you're born here, you're you're in, you're, you've got it, right? Now, of course, we know historically something's going to go off the rails. Fifteenth Amendment is going to say this: the rights of citizen uh, citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or on any account of race, color or previous condition of servitude. So they're doing their best to shore this up. Okay, so this brings us to Jim Crow. And in Jim Crow, you see some reversing of this with 
uh, the separate but equal doctrine in Plessy versus Ferguson, which was certainly separate, but never was equal. Um, and so while Congress is trying to do the right thing, there's a somewhat of a backlash in those places that have been under reconstruction. And, and as soon as they had uh, the ability to get up off the mat, they get up off the mat and they start trying to go back that direction. Okay. Then we get to a civil rights movement that is a legitimate uh, reaction to Jim Crow and that civil rights movement, uh, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. He calls, he hearkens back to the declaration. This is why, again, the 4th of July is so important. Okay, He calls back to the declaration. Here, I'm going to quote, in a sense, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our great republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. But stop there. Notice how he's talking about this in glowing terms, not in you guys are terrible, evil, whatever. But he's talking about, hey, look, this was a good thing. Okay. When they wrote these words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. Now, notice what just happened here. The Declaration is the seed for overturning the evils that were there in slavery before it had ever been turned over, decades before any nation had ever overturned slavery and legally outlawed it. The seeds of the destruction of slavery in the United States were there. Now, did we mean all men are created equal to mean slaves? No, but later on, when you look at that and the troubling consciences of, the, of people in that generation that are realizing, hey, we're fighting for this. And in fact, the founding fathers, when they were talking about that we're, we're not gonna be slaves to Britain, they were starting to be troubled by their own hypocrisy at the time. And so they're, they're recognizing what's going on. Okay, let me continue with MLK. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed to the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Wow. I mean, he's, he's, he's drawing directly on the Declaration of Independence. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given its colored people a bad check, a check that has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we have come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and security of justice. Wow, I mean, what powerful language. And it draws upon the declaration. If you eschew the declaration, if you say, well, this isn't part of, this isn't for me, or this is this was a bargain with, you know, wh okay, whatever it was, it is the thing that gave you the right to talk about it, one, today, and it's the thing that is going to undo what you want to have undone so badly. Now, later on, this is the same speech, the I Have a Dream speech, where he talks about race relations in the way that we have for a generation now to try to understand and work through race relations. And it's what's being subverted right now by those that are following critical race theory into a new um, racism against other people where you, you frame the whole discussion as a pressure 
oppressed rather than, you know, we're all sinners and we shouldn't be doing wrong to each other. No, no, no. In the same way as Tim Scott framed it in his speech after President Biden's speech, this isn't a racist nation and one group is not racist because of their color and another oppressed because of their color and right it, it we're all equally sinners before god okay so later in the speech he said i have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but the content of their character now some people say well that's colorblindness you shouldn't be colorblind no you can recognize that person's uh, skin color, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you judge individuals by the content of their character. Nobody is basically their group characteristic. They are individuals and you need to deal with them as individuals. Okay, so let's go back to the declaration itself and talk about the actual language of the declaration. And I'm only gonna, only gonna read a couple lines, but these are the lines that matter the most when we're talking through these issues. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal now, that equality is big because we're talking about equality today, but we mean something very different when we're talking about equality, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, so that equality is equality of starting points. We should all be equal before the law. We should all be equal with opportunities to start with. Now, not everybody's gonna be exactly equal because you know, if your parents worked really hard and saved a lot of money, yeah, you have a better life than somebody who didn't do that. So you don't have equal of every opportunity, but you should be able to get an e uh, a education. You should be able to stand before the law and not be presumed guilty because of whatever characteristics. Okay, That's what we're talking about, rather than equality of ends. And that's where we're going today when we're talking about equity as opposed to equality. And the way that I would explain it is like society now argues that if you don't come to the same outcome, that's inequality. If not, if, if there's a statistical difference between groups of people, well, that's inequality. That's prima facie evidence that inequality exists. That is not sense. It's like looking at a math equation and saying, well, if everybody doesn't get that same answer, then there's inequality without looking at the equation that leads into before the equal sign, right? Two plus two is four. Okay. If everybody should have four, but if they're, if the inputs are different in any way, then maybe they're not using two plus two to get to four. Maybe they're doing a different math equation in order to get there, and then that's going to change things. So just, uh, just looking at the outcomes doesn't tell you very much. Okay, I'm gonna stop ranting and raving about why the declaration is so important because it is, it just is. The, the declaration was this promissory note that uh, King was talking about. It's what unearthed uh, slavery. It's what overturned slavery. And it's what will give us, again, a guiding North Star to be looking at life, liberty. Liberty is different than equality. Equality of, me of ends needs to be enforced by government. And that means that you will lose liberty in order to get that enforced equality if you go down that path. If you don't look at the other side of the, equa of the mathematical equation and you're just looking at the answer, but liberty and liberty will get you where you want to go. There will be inequalities of outcomes with liberty, but liberty is what you're after. It's to allow you to pursue and go as far as you can with whatever God has graced you with. Okay, so let me add one more thing before I get to the quotation for contemplation, and that is this. 
Some people I saw were celebrating Juneteenth. And I think some of those very same people will be do, going down that path of saying, oh, that terrible, you know, 4th of July, that's not for me. That's, you know, slavery, that's whatever. I think it's an error to go down that path toward uh, the 4th of July is terrible because in 1776, this is what was happening. But I also think it's wrong to be saying Juneteenth shouldn't be celebrated or, you know, why are you making a big deal about it? Juneteenth is an extension of the 4th of July. And when you recognize that, it's powerful. When you recognize that that, that freedom finally came because of that Declaration of Independence and the spirit behind that, that's where <laughs> that's part of the progression. Okay. At any rate, let me move on to the quotation for contemplation for today, and it's this. The quote is this. It is from Marshall Goldsmith, who is a world-class uh, organizational coach. He's a professor, I believe, at uh, University of Southern, Southern California or UCLA. I don't remember which he was at. But he said this about leadership. Leadership is, and this is what the Declaration did, leadership is providing inspiration and vision and then developing and empowering others to achieve this vision. Man, and how perfectly directed is that at what the Declaration has done? I'm so grateful that the Founding Fathers had the wisdom that they had to put the words in place that they did. I wish they would have gone a little bit further, but they did such a great job. They gave us a huge, ample ability to be free and to enjoy that freedom. And um, I hope that we can hang on to it. Hey, thank you so much for your time listening to this program. If you liked it, please pass it along. Drop me a note. Tell me what you think. And uh, I would really appreciate hearing from you. Take care. Mm -hmm.